This is Shack Talk, presented by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear and hosted by Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Turn up your speakers, grab your gear, and hit the ice with us as we talk ice fishing. Hey everybody, welcome to Shack Talk. Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri of Brewer Agri Outdoors as we continue with season three of Shack Talk. Come on in, grab a bucket and have a seat. We're gonna be talking ice fishing, brought to you by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear. Uh, you know, Kyle, the ice season is really starting to uh, really starting to shape up. You know, we're getting ice throughout most of the ice belt now. It's not just uh, certain areas, so pretty much everybody's able to get out, um, get out and enjoy the sport that we all love so much. Uh, you still need to be careful. Um, we're not going to necessarily talk ice safety a lot on this show, but ice safety should always be your first priority every time that you go out. You're exactly right, Scott. Uh, and we did cover that in an earlier edition or an earlier episode. If uh, if if you're interested in in just some of that conversation, but uh, you're right, it's it's an exciting time of the year with the early ice up this year, Scott. We've had already here. You know, here we are with uh, people out. They're they're catching fish. They're having access to water that uh, sometimes they may or may not have access to this time of the year, and uh, it's it's. It's really making for, um, you know, at, at the beginning here, it's making for what looks to be a really, really great ice season. You know, it certainly is. And as you guys get out and as you guys get out and, and uh, fish with your buddies and you're sitting on those buckets in the shacks and, and visiting and and if shack talk comes up and you guys got some ideas, things that you may want to hear about, uh, we actually had a listener reach out to us that uh, mentioned one of our episodes today you know which is super amazing so um we've been getting a lot of different messages from people reach out to us you can find us on brewer agri outdoors on facebook breweragrioutdoors.com scotty brewer kyle agri on social media there's a lot of ways to find us Uh, let us know what you think you know we love hearing from all of our shack talk listeners if you got any great ideas of a destination someplace you're thinking about you'd like to maybe like to go sometime you want some more information or you want a specific tip or tactic uh, to talk about let us know and we'll see if we can get it round up you know, Scott, uh, you and I work a lot of the ice shows here at the beginning and early part of the season, and and sometimes that means we miss out on some of that early ice opportunity. And you know, that's that's kind of uh, one of the one of the things you give up, if if you will, being in the industry. And and um, but you have had a chance to get out on the ice. I know you were out recently, and and you had a chance to uh, get out there and kind of knock the rust off some of those ice rods and. And uh, how, how did that go for uh, um, an early ice outing? You know, that worked out really well. We uh, we interviewed Chip Lear for our radio show here not too long ago. And uh, uh, when we were talking to Chip, we had asked him about what he was going to do on first ice. And he made he, he made a comment that just makes so much sense. So we had asked him what he was going to go fishing for. And he said, anything I can, anything that will bend the rod, that's what I want to do. I want to go out and catch uh, as many fish as I can, and I really don't care what kind they are i just want to go out and like you said knock off some of those cobwebs and and kind of get going and and that, that's what we were able to do ended up taking a buddy and a son out and we ended up doing some pan fishing caught a pile a pile of pan fish 
took a little while to figure them out to find them uh, which is a part of those knocking out the cobwebs out of your brain you know if it was easy then it's not as much fun you got to figure it out catch a bunch of fish test your tackle and uh, now the season it seems like the season is now really in full swing no, you're right, and what a, what a great way to start the season, Scott. You take, uh, as you said, a buddy, but also his son out, and you know, I I, I think there's definitely in in the ice fishing world um, an an emphasis or a recognition of needing to educate the next generation, needing to not just educate them on the the nuts and bolts of the sport, but to inspire them, and and to get them enthusiastic about wanting to do the things that we're doing out on the ice to catch the fish, to to have the pursuits. And, um, and whether that pursuit ends up in a trophy, a limit, or, or even just a lot of fun on the ice, to, to appreciate what all of those things can mean in the context of ice fishing. Yes, and uh, so, so this, this uh, kid that I had out with me and his dad, they had went out the week before, and um, they hadn't caught a lot. So when I had asked if they wanted to go fishing, the kid was a little hesitant, I think, because he had that memory of not catching much the weekend before, even though he still had a good time. Um, and we really prodded him to make sure that uh, he was going to come along and, and have a good time. And he kind of waffled back and forth a little bit. But um, on the way home, he had, he literally thanked me many, many, many times for taking him out. And, you know, that's what makes it all worthwhile, just the fact that uh, you can get them out and they can enjoy it and then they can look forward to the next time, to the next outing, and keep that passion growing. You know, Scott, you and I have uh... – Call it wisdom, call it experience, call it the fact that we're getting old, whatever you want to call it and put a name on it. I think, you know, one of the things, and we talked about this so often, it's about balancing out the uh, the desire to keep pushing and keep going and, and fish outside of your box to try new things and go new places, but also balancing that out with the appreciation for those times when you go out and, and it might just be out your back door or down the road. And even if you don't catch a lot of fish, just enjoying the company you're with and, and the experience of it. And ice fishing is both. It's both of those things all mixed together, some more at different times than others, but it's important that we keep both into perspective. It certainly is. It certainly is. So uh, on, on today's show, we, we've got a couple of great segments. We have a tip and tactic segment uh, with Aaron McQuaid. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to Aaron. I have have had limited exposure to him. We run into him a couple of times, and I'm excited to uh, talk to him about um, winter perch tactics. Uh, Aaron is a guide up on Devil's Lake, and uh, he is an expert at catching winter perch. And, and there is an what an amazing destination. You talk about winter perch destinations. Yep. I know this isn't a destination segment. It's a tip and tactic. But uh, for someone who has honed his skills on one of the best perch fisheries, arguably in the world, um, I can't wait to hear what he has to say about it. Yeah, it should be really good. And speaking of uh, destination location segments, we got Andy Gorski of Frank's Great Outdoors talking about Saginaw Bay on Lake Michigan. So um, I had talked to Andy a little bit earlier today and kind of got a little background about what they got going on out there because honestly, I know nothing, 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 nothing about this about this system, about this ice fishery. So I wanted to get a little bit educated before we talk to him. So it should be a really good chat. I think it's going to be great, Scott. And it just points out the fact that, uh, you know, we haven't been everywhere. 
We haven't experienced all those things. And and maybe this will be something we put on our bucket list here to make a trip to because, you know, uh, that's what that destination location segment is about. It's finding out, it's learning, it's experiencing through those who are, are well-versed in it and, and have fished those areas and uh, learning what we can from it. Yeah, you know, our, our expertise is is upper Midwest, Minnesota, Dakotas, a little bit up in the Manitoba. And in our area, a lot of the guys kind of fish about the same. Uh, we started going out to Wisconsin a couple of years ago and realized that it's a little different. They fish a little differently uh, than we do in a lot of ways. And now Saginaw Bay, that's like way on the other side of Wisconsin. So um, I'm kind of curious to see how they fish. And uh, the beauty of going to all these destinations, talking to all these people, uh, is that we can share their successes with all of you. And maybe we can all get a couple of good nuggets to make each of us a better ice angler. That is uh, sounds like a great, great plan to me, Scott. I'm excited. It's uh, always good to be talking ice fishing, folks. We're going to take a quick, quick break. We'll be right back with some tips and tactics with Aaron McQuaid. Introducing an entirely new class of ice augers, the gas-powered F1 and propane-powered P1 rocket augers from Eskimo. These ultra-lightweight augers run fast, spin fast, and cut fast. Thanks to their performance-tuned engines, high-speed transmissions, and all-new cast bottoms, all Eskimo Power Augers feature an industry-leading five-year warranty. Get assurance. Get reliability. Get Eskimo. Learn more at GetEskimo.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to segment two of today's Shack Talk. This is our tip and tactic segment. As you know, we do a tip and tactic segment and then a location destination segment. On this one, we're going to chat about some winter perch tactics. Uh, there's so many people that love to target uh, perch, especially jumbo perch, uh, through the ice. So uh, we figured we'd go out and find a perch expert. Uh, we got Mr. Aaron McQuaid. Aaron is a guide on Devil's Lake. He's been guiding there for 12 years. He guided on uh, Mille Lacs for 15 years before that. So he's been uh, out chasing perch for a very long time. Obviously, perch is probably not the only thing he chases after, but uh, they are definitely a passion of his, just like they are of all of ours. So uh, welcome to Shack Talk, Aaron. Nice to have you on. Well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. So let's... Uh, if we're going to talk perch, what, you know, one of the things that we've probably got to figure out first is, is kind of locations. You know, it seems like uh, perch tend to just kind of roam. They travel in schools, they get into these big schools, and then they just kind of roam all over the place. Is that right? Well, in, in a lot of ways it is. They're, they're looking for food. Um, you know, they're, they, they, we find them a lot of times in this, uh, nine to 12 foot of water as the water was coming up on different on devil's lake or different bodies of water where you got fresh water coming in and a lot of weeds up there and you know that's been good but there's a lot of lakes you don't get that and or different parts of that lake like out here in devil's lake there's there's a lot of fish out in this 20 to 40 foot of water that we're starting to learn more and more of so and, and those fish are there because of you know you've already just talked about two different patterns up shallow uh, maybe where there's fresh water coming in or if there's some flooded timber and weeds or uh, out deep in the basin um, those fish are there for a reason and they're there because there's food there and I think no matter where what body of water you're trying to fish let's say you're on a, a shallow 
um, you know, just a shallow flooded lake by Valley City, North Dakota, or if you're out on Lake of the Woods trying to catch some of the jumbo perch they have there or Devil's Lake or wherever you're at, uh, you got to figure out what they're trying to eat because if you can figure out what they're eating, uh, you got a pretty good chance of catching some fish. Absolutely. Um, and, and as far as some of the tactics that I do as far as going out there to see if there's fish in the area, you definitely you want to run some kind of a fish locator, whether it's a Vexlar, a Markham, anything. You have to have some kind of electronics, and you got to believe in it. I use Vexlar. I'm very fond of them. I've had very good luck with this new 28 that has good separation on the bottom. But So you're using something... If it's a dark stained water, I'm using more rattles. Um, so maybe something with some you know, flutter to it. Whether it's going to be, if, if you're looking for certain kinds, I use a lot of the Rattle Masters from Castmaster. It's a new one that came out. Um, Clam has a lot. Northland has some. You know, there's a lot of good different products out there that work. But something that rattles just to see if you can get the fish in. So, now, there's so many different ways. I mean, there's times once you get the fish in, if they don't bite, now you want to start switching. You know, if you, I have had a lot of guys in my guiding practice where I'll come back to the house and I'll check on them, and they say, well, we're not catching none. You know, as we start there and start talking, I'm like, but you have one on your graph right now. And they're like, oh, well, that's just a red line. That's nothing. I'm like, no, no, that's, that's really a fish. That's really a perch. <laughs> So now you got to find out what kind of a cadence they want. You know, how hard do you want to jig? You know, and if you keep seeing the fish, maybe you just need to check your bait. Maybe your bait fell off. Maybe you need to, to switch a color or switch a bait. So there's just a lot of little things. But you pay attention to the little details. If that backfire is telling you that that fish is coming in and going out, coming in and going out, that's me. that means he's making a swipe at it. That means that you got something really close to what they want, whether it's a, a presentation. I mean, you might have the right presentation, just the wrong color. You may have a full minnow versus a minnow head. Um, you know, then we can get into more details later as far as maybe you have to kill that minnow. I've seen it with Aquaviews and these underwater cameras. They really, really help you dial in the fish better. I mean, if you don't have one, you definitely need to get one and, and, and play with it. Um, and it just helps you with how you fish later on, even when you don't have it. It gives you that confidence that you may be lacking. You know, Aaron, I've, I've found that uh, when I've fished perch, there's been, uh, there's, there's been that phenomenon where if you can get one to bite, all of a sudden you start that little uh, competition amongst the school of fish. And and, and you get one of them fired up and you pull them up through the hole and you just want to get down there as quickly as you can because the others are looking for what that first guy got, you know, and, and um, you can really play that to your advantage. Absolutely. And, and as I, I hate even to kind of tell the, the main secret of a lot of different perch lakes, but don't be afraid to call your buddy over. This is kind of a team sport here. Have him come over and fish out of that same hole. So as you're bringing a lure up and bringing that fish up, have him already baited up and ready. So as soon as you come out of the hole, he's going down. And sometimes it might be some shrimp or something that they're spitting up or some of the food that they're eating, and it starts that feeding frenzy. And as you turn that fish sideways, 
it gets others to say, hey, what's going on? What, yeah. Why is he doing? Why, why is he going up towards the top? You know, so it brings them over. But as one of the crucial things I have found, and and hopefully you guys will see this as you start paying attention. But if if you start seeing three and four fish below you on the vexlar or on on your fish finder, stay above them. So when you do set the hook, you're not siding that fish in the school of fish that are there because you will spook them in some time. So you can catch way more fish by staying about a foot or two above them. Or as you see them coming up, start trying to play that cat and mouse game like you're getting away. Nobody even pays attention when you hook them and up through the ice he comes. You know, that, that so, that's that's an amazing tip for our, for our listeners. Um, so a, a little bit ago you had mentioned that you might start out with a with a rattling lure or something to try and bring fish in, but if you're if you're marking a fish and they're not biting, you still may want to change. So um, it seems to me that if you're not marking fish and you want to change, you want to maybe make big changes, maybe make a big change of either location or uh, go to a very aggressive lure to try and bring those fish in. But if you're marking fish and they're not biting, then maybe make really small little changes, like you said, like color or just change the bait or or even instead of going to a full metal, go to a half a metal or go from a half a metal to a, to a wax worm, but make small changes. Cause if you got fish there, you know, the old saying, you don't leave fish to go find fish and, you know, figure out how figure out ways to get those fish to bite. Correct. I, I definitely agree. And with the help of some of the today's technologies with underwater cameras, I have found that sometimes a bobber and a keep it simple, stupid. I mean, it's that kiss thing, you know, Put down that just a bare hook with a bobber and watch that minnow run around, or swim around, and, and you'll see those perch will actually come up and look at it, and sometimes they'll try to nip at the tail or, or at the head, but they really don't want it. If I kill the minnow, you know, or most of the way, and I put them back down there, that's just enough to fire them up. They see that quivering action, and all of a sudden, boom, then they'll, you'll get one or two to hit. Now you can switch back to another rod. So... I a lot of times will keep three or four rods baited up, ready to fish. So when I get that fish coming up, I a lot of times will just plop them in a pail or put them right beside me, and I'll take another one that's already baited and get it right back down there. So, so if, with those three or four rods, if if uh, you, you keep them baited up, are they all baited up with the same thing, or let, let's say you're going out for a day, um, let's say you got three, four, five rods. Um, ready to go out for whatever you think you're going to need that day, what's going to be tied up to those rods? So I'm going to, once I know if I'm going to be on clear water or, or stained water, will kind of tell me if I'm going to use something with some wobble or some flash, you know, like a slender spoon from Custom Jigs and Spins, or if I want to have something with some rattles. Um, so I'll have, generally I'll have one of each. Because that, if nothing else, it's going to bring the fish to where I can see what they are below me with the Vexlar. I will also have one or two with a, like a tonskin or some kind of a smaller jig that I can put on a waxy or, or so. So when the fish come in and they don't hit that bigger lure, I can just drop something else down. Mm-hmm. You know, that level wine, that's kind of this new craze that has come in the last four or five years it does make a difference. It keeps that bait from doing this 360 spin on, you know, once it gets down there. 
that does make a difference too. Especially with the smaller, the smaller lures, the smaller tungsten jigs and stuff. It definitely makes a difference for sure. Um, so are you using, I guess you're, you know, you're talking minnows a lot. You're using uh, live bait most of the time, or do you use much for artificials? If the fish are really going, you just slap on a little piece of plastic just cause it's so much quicker. Well, I'm not sponsored by him, but I will mention, I came across Southway bait out of Wisconsin, um, China bait. You can buy it at fleet farm right there in Fargo or, or at a lot of different places, but it is, uh, it's amazing stuff. I mean, I went out there when I first got it last year. It was the first time to use it. I was catching a couple fish, couple fish, nothing real major, but it took me too long to get the bait up and put on new bait, take the fish off, put on new bait, send it back down. The fish were gone. So I switched over and I did this, and I, I bet I got 20 fish, 20 perch in a row, never have to retouch the, the lure to uh, to put on more bait and I was so much faster and it it just sits down there and dances so much better definitely pick up a little tube it's like four four dollars and fifty cents for a little a little piece of tape of it is what I how I look at it it's uh, it's amazing stuff it's going to look like a, a really wet booger when it's on your <laughs> rod but it really really works and it doesn't come off it does not come off which is which is hugely popular so, it, so at the end of the at the end of the day make sure you take it off before you just let it dry up because then you may have yeah. to just cut that lure off then again <laughs> it's not going to come off so. you're right <laughs> so so and for for our listeners what did you call that again i called that china bait china bait and and you'll find that if you just google china bait or southway bait yep uh they're out of wisconsin and and like i said i'm not sponsored by them but I did order 12 more packages of them this morning. Nice. Well, it, it'll definitely make your life as a guide easier, you know, if if it works, um, because you're not always carting around so much live bait. You're not always trying to keep your customers baited up all the time. Um, yeah, for your application, 100%. If it works, and that's great. So uh, it, you had mentioned inline reels a little bit. I'm assuming you use... Uh, use uh, spinning reels most of the time, but maybe for some of the smaller stuff, you use the inline? Correct. Absolutely. Um, and I'll, as I'm looking down into my, my tub of rods here, I probably have 50 to 75 rods, and they all have a different purpose. You know, some you need to have more of a backbone, so as you're running a jigging wrap, or, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of times I'll actually throw down a, a lipless crankbait with a lot of rattles in there perch fishing, just to see if I can bring something around. It's just a search tactic. I don't expect to catch anything on it. Yep. I just want to bring some fish in. So have, so have, those are, have you ever tried taking that uh, taking that larger rattle bait and then putting like a six-inch dropper on it with a really small perch jig underneath it? Um, not on the lipless ones. I haven't, but a lot of my, my buckshot rattle spoons or some of my spoons, a lot of my spoons I do that with. Okay. Aaron, do you have a preference as we're talking about some of these, uh, some of this equipment, rods, reels, and and our our uh, um, our gear when we're out fishing perch? Do you have a preference as to uh, mono, uh, super line, um, and, and kind of what do you use for uh, for what you're doing? Sure. Um, to be a real honest, I I was a real hard believer I, in mono growing up. That's that's what I did back through the '80s, the '90s. 
And when I, when the super lines came out in 2000, I didn't like it. I didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, maybe that was even late nineties, but anyway, they, uh, as I've grown more and, and fished more, you just have a hard time not putting on fire line again, or some kind of a super break, super line of some sort. Now I do in clear water, we'll run an inline swivel, small number 12 swivel, and then put on a piece of monofilament or fluorocarbon from there down. Mm-hmm. If it's really ultra clear, I may end up just using a uni knot or a blood knot and, and tie the two knots together, two lines together, and not use a swivel uh, for that last five feet. Yep. And that comes down to watching with those aquaviews and those underwater cameras to see how those fish react. Typically speaking, if the fish are that tough to catch, you may just be better off to go somewhere else. Yep, yep. <laughs> great, great tips, Aaron. Great, great tips. If any of our, if any of our Shack Doc listeners would uh, like to know more information about you or your guide service, um, how could they get a hold of you? How can they find you? Uh, you can find me on the website I, or on the web. I have uh, McCoydOutdoors.com, uh, and that's M-C-Q-U-O-I-D, Outdoors. Uh, or you can call me on my cell phone, 701 Three five one six zero five eight. More than happy to talk to anybody that's coming out or that's interested in in a fully guide trip or lodging up here in the Devil's Lake area. Awesome. Thank you very much, Aaron. We really appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing some of your secrets with us and our listeners. Thank you. All right. Uh, stick around because we will be back with our location destination segment after this short break. For the past half decade, ION has been the best-selling and highest-rated electric auger on the ice. It was also the first high-performance ice auger powered by lithium-ion technology. No other electric ice auger shreds faster, cuts smoother, or drills through more ice on a single charge. Whether re-drilling old frozen holes in your shack or running and gunning across the lake, ION is the perfect auger for you. Trust the proven performance of ION and make the switch to electric this ice fishing season. Visit us at IonIceAugers.com. Welcome back to Shack Talk, Kyle Agri and Scott Brewer of Brewer Agri Outdoors. And, uh, you know, that was a great, great segment on uh, perch fishing tactics with Aaron McCoy. And we're going to, after the break now, we're going to be looking at a little bit different in our location and destination segment. We are uh, very, very pleased to welcome Andy Gorski of Frank's Great Outdoors in Linwood, Michigan. And and before uh, we start talking to Andy, I, I just think we need to recognize... Uh, uh, say a thank you to Josh Reidlinger because Josh was an individual who he went he went on to our Brewer Agri Outdoors website. He sent us a message. Scott and I got this message saying I'm a listener and I would love for you guys to to talk to somebody and bring someone on as a guest from Michigan Saginaw Bay and and talk about that area as a destination or location and. You know, we uh, we had to, to reschedule a little bit from a, a guest we had planned for this episode. And, hey, that opened the door. It opened the window for us to uh, invite Andy to come on in and talk a little bit about that exact area where he is the expert. Andy, welcome to Shack Talk. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, it's kind of exciting. Scott and I were talking in the first segment of the podcast today that, uh, you know, a lot of the destinations, a lot of these places we talk about, we've been to. 
And we're very, very fortunate to live where we do, where we have so many great ice fishing destinations within a, a car or truck drive um, from our homes. But, you know, neither of us have been to Michigan. Neither of us have fished either open water or ice fishing in Michigan, let alone on Saginaw Bay. So we are so extremely excited to hear kind of what uh, what you do, how you, how you pursue fish, how you pursue the sport of ice fishing out there. Uh, it's really, really a, a cool opportunity. So tell us, Andy, to start with a little bit for those listeners who may not be familiar with Saginaw Bay, exactly where it is, what it is, and uh, how it fits into the geography of our world. Uh, well, we're in the mitten part of Michigan. We're in the Saginaw Bay, right, right on the inside of the thumb, um, and it's a very big body of water, and the wind can have an adverse effect or a good effect depending on what's going on, what's the direction. So in the bay here, summer uh, time northeast is not very good because uh, it makes the waves really big, comes right down the pipe, and, and it gets really rough. So in the wintertime, when things freeze up, northeast isn't so bad because it'll push the ice in, keep the ice in from flowing out, from going anywhere, and everything stays tight. So a west wind in the wintertime, what will happen is there'll be these pressure cracks that will form along the, the, uh, the contour lines mostly. If you look at your map, it's, it's pretty funny. I've traveled along them to find out how they all work. And the west wind will push them, will separate the, tr- the pressure cracks. So it can be quite hairy sometimes getting back in if you're not paying attention to what's going on. Um, so most times if, if the bay freezes right all the way across, it's no problem. It's just like a speed bump. You go over top and away you go. But uh, it's, it's a body of water or piece of ice to be respected, that's for sure. You don't want to go out there, A, number one, alone. You don't want to go out without a GPS or at least a compass. Uh, there's some definite safety features that we, you know, in the last 10, 15 years that have come about that really make it a little bit safer for everyone. You know, Andy, as you're talking about that, I'm trying to imagine in my mind, and, and, and what you're saying is great advice anytime we're out on, on big water, we're out on big ice, and um, certainly where you're you're talking about there, Saginaw Bay, and in Saginaw Bay, when I looked at a map, was was that that big, big that wide bay that comes off of Lake Huron. So it's it's part of the Great Lakes. It's it's really just a a little bay off of that very very large lake. And uh, looking at the statistics, you talk about you know the uh, the the ice and the ice sheet. This isn't a small little area. Um, what I saw was over 1,100 square miles of water. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's a big body of water. And, I mean, guys fish it, obviously, for both sides. So, you know, the guys over on the east side, their their ice stays a little longer, gets a little quicker if we're always getting that west wind pushing over there. So us guys over here on the west side of the bay, you know, I live right across the street from the bay, so my stuff is pointed at the lake. I can take off whenever I want, but we usually, the best ice isn't real good till about the first of February. You know, if we get ice for the first of the year, it's usually pretty good. If we're out fishing walleyes right then, then we're ahead of, we're ahead of schedule and that's pretty good. But uh, for the most part, the good fishing don't start till right end of January, first part of February for walleyes to get out, you know, past a couple miles. So, you know, Andy, you had mentioned uh, that, that if you get dependent on the wind, you know, that ice is going to move around a little bit um, and you, and you need to be careful of that and watch the weather reports. Um, Once, you know, and we have that here where we are in the upper Midwest, but generally once a lake gets locked up, you don't have that because the ice doesn't necessarily have any place to go. Does Lake Huron lock up? Does it 
freeze solid throughout the year, you know, as you get later in the year, so that when you have that wind, it's still not going to push it out? It's been quite some time since the whole lake froze across. I Off the top of my head, I don't remember, but it's been probably five years since we had great ice that we could travel, you know, anywhere you wanted to without any trouble. I mean, the last two years, it was okay, um, and then we had good ice forming, and then we had a warm spell, and the wind blew out of the west and separated, you know, the, the last pressure crack out separated about 300 yards, 400 yards, and then it just sat there. It didn't go anywhere. It didn't come back. It sat there. It was open water, and you couldn't get to it and do anything. You know, you want to talk about a bunch of sad face ice for sure, sitting on shore <laughs> looking at it, you know. We're all just sitting there twiddling our thumbs waiting for it to freeze. But uh, when it did, it was fun. Yeah. So, um as long as you have that, as long as you don't have that west wind, like you said, it's that west wind that can push it out. Um, if yep. you got an east wind, you know, you're pretty much good, good to go. So it sounds like anglers, for the most part, kind of got to take things day by day with the weather, and and honestly, you got to do that no matter where you go. But th- this is no different. Yeah, exactly. Um, but when that ice sets up, I mean, you know, the, the first ice we get, first ice perch fishing starts off. Uh, you know, actually, they were walking on some shore ice about first week of deer season which is november 15th and a little bit little little happened there but then of course it got warm and kind of wrecked that so we're some of the canals and in the cuts are frozen over in the bay and the guys will start perch fishing a few bluegills here and there but everybody's chomping at the bit hoping it gets cold to get out there for the walleyes because you travel in here from 2 to 10 to 15 miles to go do it you know so andy as you look at traveling out there that distance you know uh, numerous miles out uh, potentially those those cracks those heaves those pressure ridges um typically for for folks out there um is there any vehicle travel uh meaning like trucks and whatnot or is it is it just sleds wheelers uh atvs and that kind of thing mostly snowmobiles four-wheelers um you know is is the vehicle of choice it's been about four or five years since i drove my pickup out there i never thought i'd see it in my lifetime but we did and we had heck we had two two and a half feet ice and we were going out a couple three miles in trucks and catching fish in eight ten foot of water it was great it made ice fishing really easy but that's been a couple years you know and most of us we all have our own snowmobile we have everybody has their own gps in their snowmobile um they got their shanty we have all our setups you know a way to transport our stuff It, it works out pretty good so there's a, I, I assume there's accesses all the way around the bay. Um, you know, yep. it, it's such a huge bay, so each town, I'm sure, has got different accesses yep. and things like yeah, that. Yeah, we're close to Linwood. That's where we're at. We're kind of between Linwood and Pink Conning, and at the end of both roads, there's nice parking. And then when, if it gets cold enough and winter gets here, you can park right on the ice. But other than that, you know, you have to find a nice spot. You know, there's a few different other access points that have good parking that you can slide on down there. So uh, just in in perspective to where things are with the rest of the world here, Andy, uh, you know, Saginaw Bay itself, but where you're talking about, that's north on the map, that's north of Detroit. And about how far north of Detroit are you? Eh, Two and a half hours north of Detroit. Not a bad drive from that metropolitan area, and uh, certainly it kind of goes out from there. But when folks come out to visit, when they come out, uh, or even the locals in the area, when when they're out on the ice and they're able to get out, we talk about, uh, you mentioned perch, you mentioned bluegills, you've talked about walleyes. What are, uh, did, does that encompass the species you're, you're targeting or are there others? Uh, kind of, kind of what is it that you're catching when you're out there on Saginaw Bay? Most guys are targeting the trout, I mean trout, they're targeting the walleye and the perch. Um, you know, that's the most, what everybody's after. I mean, the, the walleye fishery in the bay here is phenomenal. I, I have, 
I've fished other places. I haven't been out in your neck of the woods to fish walleyes, and it's hard to leave here because it's so good fishing, you know. Um, and any you catch fish anywhere from two to ten, eleven pounds out there, you know. And and there, it's it's addicting. We were just uh, had a little session in the garage last night, a little powwow, talk about how much we all like ice fishing way more than summertime fishing, just because it's your beer doesn't get warm. There's something <laughs> special about it, isn't there, Andy? Yeah. Yep, that among many other that's, things. That's are one the, of the things that makes it special, yeah. <laughs> there, there, there are so many. Hey, yeah, so so those of us unfamiliar with, with regulations out there, what are limits? What are restrictions? Are there slots? Are there minimums? What kind of things are we looking at for uh, the, the regulatory um, rules of fishing? Uh, walleye, the limit is uh, eight per person, and thir- they have to be 13 inches long. Uh, they just brought that in a couple of years ago. A uh, few guys I know still don't keep them unless they're 15 or bigger, but that's personal preference, you know. Um, but, yeah, there's some real nice fish to be caught out there. Perch, the limit's 25, and no no size limit there. You know, Andy, uh, there's there's a reason all those fish are there. Are, are they staged there all fall, or are, they, are there rivers uh, coming into that system so that, you know, that's what's – drawing the fish and the bait fish into the area why why is it so good down there uh, you know on that south tip of saginaw bay uh throughout the winter and is it better yeah, is, is it better as the winter goes on is there certain you know a lot of these lakes that have the rivers coming in you know as we get closer to spawn you know it gets better yet yeah when, when that last ice when the fish are coming into spawn um they're coming into the rivers that, that last ice fishing is really good i mean you don't even have to get six foot of water and you can go out there and just put a whacking on them in a, in a short period of time. It's a lot of fun, that shallow water fishing. But, I mean, you know, we get after them in all, all aspects. I mean, when, when the if, when until we ice up, this fall fishing has been great. If you can brave the cold and you already got bagged your buck, I mean, guys go out there and troll until she ices up. And the, the fish are bigger in the fall. It seems to be nicer sites fish in the fall. But, uh, you know, even even going there, there and jigging them in, you know, 12 to 20 foot of water is an absolute blast. You hook onto those bricks on the bottom and boy they like to they like to fight how long how long does the season go in the in the in the late winter spring uh well the bay never closes the lake uh, but the rivers close so march 15th they're closed march 15th till the last saturday in april that's good to know as someone who's planning a trip i would want to certainly keep that into perspective uh in in terms of how you plan that with your season um Andy, what are some of the tactics you use as you're out fishing? Uh, you know, spoons, rattle baits, uh, live bait. What are some of the things that are, are common amongst the ice anglers out there? Most guys jig with jigging spoons, whether it be a Clio, a Crocodile, a Loco, your favorite jigging spoon. The sky's the limit. Um, some guys will tip it with just a regular um, blue shiner or you know a emerald shiner like a walleye size one two and a half to three inch right. um i myself i like to pinch the heads off just use the head uh in the last few years when they uh, bumped it up to three three lines per person a lot of guys started buying more tip-ups and they'd set a tip-up on a you know tip-up and that really blew up a lot of guys not many people fish tip-ups in the bay and then when you can throw that extra line out there they'd buy a tip-up leave that sit or even the, the dead stick method, which you just have that over the other hole sitting there with a live minnow off to the side, maybe a slip bobber on there, and that works too. If you take a break from jigging, you always got something down there wiggling, and you know, attracting them in. Um, that, that's a very effective as well. 
you know, having the uh, the system that allows you to fish effectively with those three lines, and whether you choose to fish with one, that that's certainly an option. But you know, any anytime you can increase the number of lines and hooks and lures you have out, uh, it it increases the odds of of the fish you're going to catch. And so uh, the key is to do it effectively and be able to monitor it and and fish that uh, effectively to catch the fish when they are biting. And and tip-ups is a great way to do that. There's no question about it. Andy, you mentioned that uh, a lot of anglers out there chase perch early in the season. What uh, what might be some of the differences? Are these the same areas of the bay? Are they different areas, different depths of water, uh, different tactics? Uh, what are they doing for uh, chasing perch just a lot there's shallow water you know so you start out that first ice you're walking out there and you know maybe two inches ice and you're getting in anywhere from a foot to three foot of water a lot of guys will jig those beaded spoons or jack hooks per se um the beaded spoons they usually don't have a barb on the hook because them fish come in you catch them and you you flop the fish on the ice the hook falls out and you put the hook right back and you catch them one after another it's a really effective way especially if they're biting hard that day but everybody's got their own little tip or little trick some guys do it. If they're more finicky, they'll put like a spike or a waxworm on there. Uh, wigglers sometimes. I'll even put it. Uh, I know some guys will do just a regular two hook perch rig and hook two perch two perch minnows on there so they're swimming around live just to keep some traction down there and jig the other one. You know, and and if you're that two foot of water, the trick is to be there early and to be quiet. And then once ten guys walk by, you might as well pick another spot because they scatter pretty quick in that shallow water. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that is one of the tricks, isn't it? Just to be stealthy and get out there, and and the ice is that thin, and and the water's that shallow. Those fish tend to be a little bit spooky, and and you're right. If you can get out there without them really being disturbed, you're you're probably in for a treat. But uh, but once they get scared out, um, they're probably not coming back in yet that that morning or that day. No, they're just on the move. They're all just swimming around there chasing bait. That is for sure. Andy, what uh, what are the other things that uh, that folks out there are fishing, whether it be on the bay or inland, or there are other other opportunities in uh, the Saginaw Bay region? Uh, probably half hour north of us, there's a lot of inland lakes that start, you know that people will pike fish and bluegill fish, different different things they can do. And then, then once you get farther north in Michigan, all of those lakes are loaded with pike and perch and bluegill. Uh, bass you can't keep in the wintertime, but bluegill fishing is really good to the north of here in some spots. And a lot of guys like to set tip-ups for pike fishing too. That's a, that's a good time as well. But that all happens kind of, you know, like half hour, hour north of here and all the way up to the UP, you know. That's not a bad drive, honestly. If uh, if you're stationed or based out of that uh, that area near Saginaw Bay, and you have a day when you can't get out on on the bay to fish, uh, boy, that's a really nice option to have as a backup, being only a half an hour to an hour away. And uh, good blue bluegill fishing, good pike fishing is always a fun day. Yeah, just change up your tactics a little bit. You got to go a little bit lighter tackle, you know, and a spring bobber or a really light tip, and that's the that's the trick to get those gills, you know. Fantastic. Andy, um, for folks that are listening here to Shack Talk and they are interested in finding more information about fishing, ice fishing in uh, Michigan and Saginaw Bay uh, or getting a hold of you, what uh, what what can you give them as far as uh, points of contact? Uh, you can call right here at uh, Frank's Great Outdoors. The phone number is 989-697-5341. Uh, we also have a website. Frank's great outdoors.com. Uh, you can contact 
you can get to me on there. You can call and talk to me anytime if I'm here. I mean, I'm here quite a bit anyways. I try not to be, but it's, you know, the nature of the beast. So, uh, But any any of the guys that work here, they, we all fish. We all hunt. We all have the same passion or a sick and twisted disease that we can't stop going out there after these fish, you know. So <laughs> we're, we all tell you what would tell you the best. We're, you know, we're all concerned with your safety. We're not going to send you out there on a bad day, you know. If, if the wind's blowing the wrong way and four guys here go, hey, I wait till tomorrow. It's not a bad idea to sandbag and, you know, maybe go to the tavern and have some lunch and think about it until tomorrow, you know. You bet, or, or take a drive up and catch some nice bluegills for the day and then hit it back on the bay the next. But uh, that, in, yep. that that information, Andy, and that resource as a local person who uh, who's so experienced on that body of water, we you can't put a price on it. And Scott and I say it all the time, you know, the, the folks there in the bait stores, the folks in the sporting goods stores, the folks who are guides in these areas, they're the ones to talk to. And, and you can read reports online and you can hear information online. And, and that's all that's all good. And it's all part of the, the research part of it. But uh, you just can't beat the, uh, the actual experience and, and knowledge of folks like yourself. So uh, we appreciate you sharing that contact information and certainly encourage any of our listeners thinking about heading your direction to uh, touch base, to, to gather all the information they can ahead of time and be prepared to, uh, to have a great time fishing out there. Andy, thank you so much for joining Check Talk. We appreciate it. Uh, we, uh, we've loved visiting and, and talking ice fishing with you. And uh, again, thanks for joining us. Right on. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, feel free to give us a buzz anytime. We'll, we'll try and steer you in the right direction and help put more fish in your cooler. Fantastic. Folks, thanks for listening in today. It's always a pleasure to talk ice fishing. We want to thank Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear. Get Eskimo.com for their support of Shack Talk. Find them on their website, GetEskimo.com. Find them on Facebook and Instagram. And again, we love hearing from our listeners. Send us a message. Let us know what you think. Let us know uh, if you have some ideas or thoughts on some locations, destinations, tips, or tactics, and we'd love to talk about them here. Uh, and you can follow Scotty and I on Brewer Agri Outdoors, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Until next time, get out there and go fishing. Be safe and good luck.